podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt shelby yeah. shelby 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 today has been wild <laughs> has it a, a normal yes. monday for you <laughs> no it was not the normal monday for me because i woke up this morning to a to lady gaga announcing that chromatica tick chromatica ball tickets were on sale there was like mm. no like press or lead up to this. They just like went on sale this morning. Oh. And so everybody's frantically like trying to buy them, trying to figure out. Also people who had tickets to the previous version of this that had got postponed, like had tickets now, but they were just like random tickets. So people were trying <laughs> to like, should I buy new ones? Should I sell these? Should I get something else? It just ma- like buying tickets to a concert is always mass chaos. Yeah. And this wasn't like... We had, you know, a week in advance to sort of like chat with people and figure it out. No, <laughs> it was just crazy. I just, I was like, uh, and then a friend texted me who's like, was like, I bought eight tickets. Do you want one? Oh and I was gosh. sort of like, um, I, I, uh, maybe like how much are they? He's like $200. I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> so. Do you trust this friend? Like, do you think he made a profit or do you think that's just literally what? No, I think that's how much they are. Yeah. Like, I don't think he was making a profit, but. I was just service fee. Yeah, I I was just like okay, like I guess this is what we're That's doing. Nice, honestly, that you have a friend looking out for you because yeah, it's hellish. Well, I think everybody just knew that they were going to sell out so fast and it was yeah. going to be such a nightmare. And like, obviously, you'd be able to resell the tickets if you bought yeah. them. So it's like if you had enough money to be able to drop, like <laughs> I don't know, whatever that would be, like sixteen hundred. Yeah, sixteen hundred dollars. <laughs> On tickets, like go for it. I mean, I could never, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited for you. Congratulations. I know. I was thinking. I was contemplating. I was like, which one of these scenarios is worse? This or the or the Taylor Swift? Um, everybody has to buy ten copies of the CD situation. That is honestly, honestly, Matt. It's six years old and it's fake news. So just like <laughs> let it go. No, but, like, which one of those is more annoying? Like, because Taylor Swift gave you, like, 50 years worth of time to prep, but yeah. you had to, like, do all of this stuff, where Lady Gaga is, like, free-for-all. Like, it doesn't matter yeah, if yeah. you're... If you slept in this morning, sorry, you didn't get tickets. Yeah, uh, that's frustrating in its own way. I feel like what was nice about... What was nice about Taylor's attempt at, at blocking out the bots is that you were given a place in line just like based on doing things that a fan would not necessarily that you have to buy merch but just like i don't know signing up for emails watching the look what you made me do music video and so then it was like a major pre-sale that it wasn't just like tied to your credit card or like if you have an account with i don't know wells fargo it was just like oh you're a super fan like here you go you get two hours to pick your seats at a truly (laughs) uh discounted price so i guess i would take the i would take that over it because it felt like i i could take my time in a sense because i was like oh there's no one in here that's buying 30 tickets 
um, to sell on Ticketmaster or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yes. But, but I do feel like the next Taylor Swift tour will be hell even if she does that because there's so many fans now that it's like <laughs> everyone's willing to do it and she's not doing as many nights and so I feel like I feel like Olivia Rodrigo's tour proved it like everyone touring at this point it's just hard to get tickets because everyone wants to do anything <laughs> well yeah like Lady Gaga there was only she was only doing 15 shows yeah. and like five of them are in uh like Europe so, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. so really, it was like a handful of places in the U.S. that you could go. So it was like, okay, these New York tickets are on sale. Like, you got to get it, or you're you're not getting it. Congratulations! When is so? That? I I will be seeing Lady Gaga in August. Oh, okay, so not too far, even. Yes, it's in New Jersey at whatever the stadium is Met there. Life. So that's like, ugh, but whatever. <laughs> it's a much more fun venue than freaking Madison Square. So. Yeah, but she'll Madison put on Square a show. Garden is so small. It's yeah. like, like you can even like I saw Dua Lipa last week, and we had the worst seats, like legitimately the worst seats. We were <laughs> two rows from the back, and we still weren't that far away. No, but there's something so fun about a stadium show. Have you ever have you ever done one? Been no. One? Oh my goodness, it's so fun. The pyrotechnics alone, you know. <laughs> I mean, also Lady Gaga, it will put on a show. Yeah, you know? it's like she can dance, jump, jump from the ceiling or something. Strut her stuff across some platform. I had I have never really been to a concert that involves like heavy dancing, mm. but Dua Lipa was really like delivering, and I was yeah I was very it was it was so much fun to watch somebody like have that would be like legitimately chore- good choreography for two hours. Yeah, <laughs> and all the dancers were choreographed. Different than Casey Musgraves, I guess. Different than Casey Musgraves, who's sitting in one place. Different than Haim, you know, different than 1975. Wow, yeah, you're really building up. Like, you're going through the the bosses of uh, concert experiences. Right. I also have Allie and AJ coming up. I'm I'm waiting for Lil Nas X to go on tour. That's the person (laughs) who I want to see, like, next. Oh, that would be fun. I feel like that would be such a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, well, I had a less exciting, but still eventful weekend. Um, the Love is Blind, uh, finale happened at, well, not the finale, but the finale had been the week before, but they had the, um, what do they call it? Like the reunion, the reunion? episode. And <laughs> it was a truly bonkers affair. It's again, this show is on Netflix and it's hosted technically by Nick Lachey and, um, Vanessa. Lachey. What was her original name? Her maiden name? Vanessa? Uh, Carlton. No. Vanessa... Uh, Hudgens. No. Uh, I have <laughs> no idea. Supermodel. Uh, anyways. Evangelista. Celebrities. Um, and they <laughs> brought the cast together. And basically, um, there's this one guy who, his name is Shake, and he got together, he got engaged to this uh, beautiful Indian woman named Deep D. They're both Indian. And he had this huge issue where he's like, I usually just date hot blonde chicks. And looking at her is like looking at my auntie and I can't get it up around her. And I hate this, but maybe I'll marry her anyways, because it's like good for me. Um, Huge dick, lots of narcissist energy, lots of like, just red flag after red flag after red flag. And so they obviously broke up at the altar. She said, no, thanks. I deserve someone who like wants me fully more power to her. 
But he has been on this tirade on his like Instagram trying to, I don't know, curry favor with a certain crowd of like truth tellers. You know, he's like, oh, I just tell it like it is like uh, love isn't everything. You need to be attracted to a person, which is like, yes, technically that's true. But you don't have to be a dick about it when you're not attracted to them. Right. Like you don't have to go around from friend to friend, family member to family member on a televised show saying like how ugly you think she is, how how like unattractive you think her weight loss scars are like all this sort of stuff like it's just not a nice look it's not doing you any favor so everyone was against him anyways but on this on this reunion episode he was such an ass to the point where he's like let me just let me just say it this way like don't get mad but dating is like making an expensive purchase like (laughs) He starts to refer to women and marriage as like a luxury item that you purchase. And so, of course, you want to make sure you're getting the best of it. And Vanessa and Nick are both like, dude, you're on the wrong show. This was literally like the premise of the show is that you don't care about the physical, like shut the F up. And he's like, I wish I could care. I wish I did. I was on this journey to do it, but I didn't. And the only person in this room I'm attracted to, unfortunately, is Vanessa. (laughs) And Nick Lachey just went into this full body, like, shutdown where you could see the darkness come over his eyes like he's going to murder this man. (laughs) And Shake then makes this statement that's like, I I don't know, he kept saying just horribly asshole-ish things. And everyone in the cast, everyone around him was just like, this is why we don't follow you anymore. This is why we don't, like, we're not friends with you anymore. Like, you're just a horrible human being. And Nick makes this burn that's like, that's not how you treat people you don't treat <laughs> you don't treat humans that way you are a you're a vet and so maybe that's how you treat people but you couldn't treat humans this way because he's a vet and shake is like oh, are you coming after the veterinarian community <laughs> and he like made this instagram post where he's like Nick Lachey, you're a dick for calling out vets. Like they, they work harder than actual doctors. It's harder to be a vet than it is to be a doctor. And like, you should regret like coming after the vet community. Like they lost all respect for you, (laughs) which is just in and of itself, a hilarious turn of events for this show. And this one person in the vet community who I guess feels um, truly perturbed that Nick Lachey could think any less of him. Dr. Shake, as it were. I mean, as someone who famously does not like animals, um, (laughs) I do feel like we should be treating humans very differently than animals. (laughs) Um, I like humans a lot. Love spending time with them. Animals, Mm. not so much. Um, (laughs) Except my dog, right? (laughs) I mean, like, I'll take Penny over your dog any day. Okay, okay. Good to know. I'll keep I know it's a tough choice for you, but for me, it's like, (laughs) clearly I'll take the child. Yeah, well, Shake's going through it, and uh, unfortunately, he says he was offered a podcast about radical truth-telling. Oh, well, um, I mean, everybody's <laughs> offered a podcast, baby. We have one. So, you know, the, yeah. the, the barrier to entrance is low. I know, but heaven help us all. Um, he says he wants to talk about things people aren't comfortable talking about. I mean, I do feel like, to a certain extent, there is a like some truth to what he's saying in that you are attracted to who you're attracted to. And it's kind of like, well, like uh, you shouldn't speak on this, Matt. You don't know the full picture. Okay. But, you don't want to side with shake, <laughs> but I'll also say like, there is a lot to be said for delivery and there's a lot of things that you might <laughs> think, but you, maybe you just shouldn't say. Yeah. And it's more, his idea of attraction is wrapped up in 
Like his whole shtick on the show was asking the women in the pods, like, oh, do you think I could like carry you on my shoulders at a music concert? Like, you know, just sh- sh- sniffing around to find out like if they fit his idea of, I-, I don't even know, like attraction. And supposedly, this is all hearsay, but supposedly they gave him, well, the cast all said that they got a watered down version of Shake on the show. Like they edited some of the worst things he said out of the show, surprisingly. And that was sort of verified, but unverified by this source on Reddit that says they were involved, but it's, it's dubious if they were. But some of the comments that seem to have not made the cut were like much more body shaming and Deep D had like lost weight and it was an insecurity of his. And he was like supposedly talking about how she should get her 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 skin folds checked out by doctors because it didn't make sense why they were there if she'd lost the weight and like all this sort of stuff. And so he's not like a good person, but he keeps like just crawling his way out of the <laughs> out of the I mean yeah. As with all reality shows, especially like the B C tiered ones, in two weeks no one will remember who this person I is. I hope. I hope so. It's but like- that being said, like there are millions of people still following the first season of, you know, the the couples that lasted and stuff. And so I think that we forget how many people exist in the world that have different choices and following. Yeah, and- but like <laughs> but people who but like a cute couple who lasted is very different than yeah. like the evil I know. I person. hope so. I hope so for all our sake. Because it's also shocking sometimes when you go look at someone's Instagram who like was on an actual reality show and you're like they have four thousand followers. It's like, <laughs> ha, uh, yeah. like that show was watched by a million mm-hmm. people and only four thousand of them decided to follow you on Instagram. Like this is yeah. embarrassing. It's just it's pretty remarkable because I feel like the celebrity hosts like never actually care because it's so beneath them. But like the amount of just annoyingness you have to carry for a celebrity to care enough to hate you. Like Nick Lachey has come out in a couple different like Instagram stories making jokes about how much he hates Shake. <laughs> so I mean that's a you know that's nothing. That's a that's that's, not that's a talent. That's a yeah. talent which should be celebrated. Yeah. To be hated so viscerally is yeah. a vibe. Um, what uh, what other stories captured your interest well, this week? Well, speaking of people who uh, d- didn't quite know how to uh, answer questions that were put to them, have you been following this whole Disney um, Ugh. situation? Yes. It. Yes. Let's talk about it. Capitalism. So, <laughs> yes, capitalism. Uh, one of our favorites. So, <laughs> as you probably know, Florida is in the middle of passing this Don't Say Gay bill, which <sighs> is a piece of legislation that would make it so teachers in Florida can't talk about LGBT things, that students can't talk about those things, and that if a student tells a teacher that they or comes out to a teacher, the teacher has to share that with the parent. Obviously, this is a terrible law because... One, LGBT history should be taught in schools, just like every other kind of history. Two, it makes it so, like, if a student has parents who are gay, they cannot talk about their parents in the classroom, which Mm -hmm. is discrimination, because obviously people with straight parents can talk about their parents in the classroom as much Mm -hmm. as they would like. And then also, lots of people, especially in conservative areas, like a lot of Florida is, um don't want to come out to their parents because their parents could be verbal abuse, verbally abusive, physically abusive, kick them out of the house, send them to mm-hmm. conversion therapy, which is also still legal, like all kinds of things. 
And so to pass this law is terrible on so many different fronts and has all kinds of protests going on. There's students walking out of schools. You know, you know, a lot of things are happening and it looks like it will pass in the Florida legislature, which is terrible. Yeah. So that is happening. And in the process, it come came out that Disney, who likes to grease the palms of as many uh, individuals as possible, has donated to the campaign of every single person who is a signer or co-signer on this bill. Mm. So that's like a crap ton of uh, homophobic uh, legislators in Florida. And you're sort of like, why would Disney be doing this? Especially because Disney suppose, you know, sells mm-hmm. all kinds of LGBT merch. If you go to Disney, mm-hmm. they have in several occasions sort of um, had movies or TV shows that have, featured prominently to not prominently LGBT (laughs) characters and supposedly are an LGBT friendly organization. It's not that they are just giving money to these people. They basically give money to everybody who's running for office in the hopes that when those people get into office, they will be favorable to Disney in all of Disney's, you know, various things that they're trying to get through because they're a huge um, piece of the Florida economy, obviously. So people called out Disney for this saying like, Hey, how come you're supporting these senators when, and representatives, when you were supposedly a pro LGBT company. So then they released the most like non-statement statement that I have ever read. Mm -hmm. It's basically corporate mumbo jumbo that doesn't refer to the don't say gay bill at all. It just sort of generally talks about how Disney sort of generally likes the LGBT community. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, that response did not go over The biggest impact we can have in creating a more inclusive world is through inspiring content. (laughs) Yeah. And so then the the CEO today came out with a separate statement that was, again, talking about how, like, well, we feel like a st- whatever statement we make isn't that important. He says, um, these and all of our diverse stories are our corporate statement, and they are more powerful than any tweet or lobbying effort. Mm. I would disagree with this especially when laws of discrimination like this are obviously going to impact people in a such um like immediate way obviously storytelling is very important um and that i think has much more like long-term cultural implications but legal things happening on a day-to-day basis for lgbt kids are Uh, that's like a can be a life and death situation where whether you have a gay cartoon character is less that (laughs) in the immediate sense. Also, as we've talked about before on the podcast, it's not like Disney is out here with a lot of incredibly LGBT friendly content that's blazing (laughs) the trails. They're like shoving a character in a background every now and again. And yes, you have like love Victor, but that's about the extent of it. Love Victor isn't changing anyone's minds necessarily the way that Disney pulling funding on these Republican senators and legislators would change their vote. So it's just like lazy 
both sides of them to be like, oh, I can have my cake and eat it too because like, look, we are technically not homophobic on the surface, but sure, we'll put money in the pockets of people who continue to uh, support these horrific sort of uh, challenging bills and laws and limitations that directly hurt people. So it's just like, it's a whole lot of ick. It's just hypocrisy and cruelty and I just hate it. <laughs> and obviously lots of lo- large organizations do this. Disney is yeah. not the only one. And also it is to a certain extent <laughs> difficult for these kind of organizations like okay, well if they're going to make a stance on this, then they would have to take a stance on lots of different issues uh which would screw up their corporate model, but at a certain extent you have to decide where your moral line is and also if you're going to be taking advantage of the Mm -hmm. lgbt community by selling all of this merch all the time it's Mm -hmm. like well then the least you could do is stand up for this group that you're supposedly supporting yeah it's like this isn't like some complicated water bill about the species that'll be lost if you build a dam over a (laughs) marsh or something, right? Like there's obviously like gray areas and so much that we do, but to have the CEO say, oh, this seems irrelevant to our company and our business. It's like, well, it's not because you make it relevant every time you are like hashtagging love is love and celebrating pride month or whatever it is. Like you've chosen the side that says you're pro LGBT. So then you have to let your money do your talking for you too. So it's just like, they're hoping people won't care. And they're, you know, like what power do we really have? Like, especially with a mega corporation like Disney, that's so much. It's not as easy as like, oh, we're canceling our Spotify subscription and this will hurt this person. Like, it's like, what do you like? (laughs) What do you do when it's Disney? And so of course he can just be like, oh, well, I mean, what are you, it doesn't matter to us because like yeah I mean technically it doesn't because like we don't have any power at this point when it's this big of a corporation. Yeah, except we can stop buying things from Disney. You know what? I got a protest. <laughs> we should not see any more Marvel movies and cover them on the podcast. Okay, that well, sounds like what a else great does Disney uh, own Fox Searchlight or Twenty First Century. Fox, yes, Twenty First Century <laughs> Fox Fox Searchlight. <laughs> Disney has their hands in quite a bit at these at this point. Yeah, Not only just with entertainment, but then, then we'd also get out of watching Star Wars, though. So that's true. That's true. Okay, we'll consider it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll consider okay. it. I will make a vow to never go to Disney World if I can help it. <laughs> I'm sick of Disney adults. No offense to Disney adults, I guess. I'm like a similar-ish story, which I'm sure is like ultimately not as. Uh, like kind as it comes off uh, on the surface, but Netflix has removed itself from Russia because Mm. one of the stipulations of Netflix being in Russia is that they would play Russian propaganda. They decided that they did not want to do that. And so they removed the service from Russia, which is a political statement for them. (laughs) Good for Netflix. I mean, again, how much money are they losing there? Like, I don't know, but you know, Um, I had this wild story that I hope you have heard nothing about because it has just become an obsession of mine. But have you heard of the Wilkins sisters on TikTok? No. Okay. Okay. So they're this couple, there's these sisters who I think are twins, twin sisters who became famous during like the first era of COVID, uh, first season of COVID during quarantine. And they became like 
dancers on TikTok, like just, you know, whatever dancers became famous, got like a million followers, whatever. Suddenly, like six months into it, they just stopped making content with each other. Like they both had their own accounts. They were doing their own things. They never talked to each other, mentioned each other, worked with each other again. And so that was like a year and a half ago. And they'd never talked about it until one of the sisters, um, Melanie, she did a live with her parents and she says, I think my sister has joined this cult and she hasn't talked to us since this day. Um, she missed our grandfather's funeral, who we were really close to. She just like she just moved out one day. She didn't she didn't take her car that she just bought. She canceled her management. She canceled all these um, ads we had set up and sponsorships we'd done. And she just stopped talking to me, my parents. She just moved in with her boyfriend, got married, and we haven't heard from her since. She doesn't respond to us. She's blocked us on everything, blah, 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 blah. And it turns out that these sisters had joined or had been invited to this really exclusive small church in LA that was also in the TikTok space or like influencer like dancey space. And the one sister, Melanie, was like, I got weird vibes. And I was like, I don't think we should do this anymore. But the one sister stayed. And that's when this all started like breaking down in their relationship. And so they they make this pose, this public post that's like, yeah, she's part of this cult. It's the management team. It's in her bio. She lives in this hype house with other TikTok dancers who are all sort of married and do these like oldie, like, I don't know, sort of retro style dance videos you see on Instagram and TikTok and whatever. They're all managed by the same team that's actually a religious organization. And I'm not, I'm laughing because it's just like such a wild story because then the sister comes out and she's like, that's not true at all. What it is, is I, a white woman was dating this black boy. They didn't like him. They called the cops on him and I left because I couldn't deal with the racism, which is like, that's a really valid and sad story. But what came out after is that a bunch of people who had dan- who had had relationships with these people who are now under this management team are like, yeah, a similar thing happened to us. We were all friends and now they don't interact. They don't talk to anyone they knew in their life before that. They become ultra religious. Their dancing style has shifted. They're suddenly married, even though they're legally married to someone like they're suddenly presented as married to this other girl, but they were legally married to someone else. Oh uh, the divorce hasn't gone through. And so all sorts of weird stuff. And it's all around this management team called 7M Management and Film. That's like, it doesn't have a website. There's just like a single sort of descriptor on different like listing sites that are like, I prefer to meet in person to discuss these like (laughs) extremely confidential and like, you know, the entertainment space is so hard to like trust people. So I just prefer to meet in person. Call me if you have questions type thing. And it turns out that it's... it's this church that you used to be called. Okay. I wrote this down because it's really confusing. Um, but it was the, uh, Shekinah church that was founded in the 1990s. Um, and the registered person who was going by Israel Shin started this church, which is sort of a Pentecostal split. That's like really focused on this idea that the, God-fearing folk will take over every major industry. (laughs) And so they turned their sites to TikTok, it seems, because they, um, they started pulling in these people to, like, manage. And it seems like they don't have access to their own socials. All the, all the, like, um, 
descriptions of the videos, hashtags, like it all seems to follow the same voice. And in behind the scenes videos, you see like this Shin family in hovering over them all, like managing everything. And so it's like very shady, very weird. And Israel Shin now goes by Robert Shin because in 2020, he was sued by someone who said that she had been psychologically coerced and abused by this man and his religion and that she'd lost access to her bank accounts and like all this sort of culty stuff. And so he rebranded the church to 7M. He changed his name from Israel to Robert or he went by Robert instead of Israel. And now his son, Isaiah, is kind of the head of the management firm (laughs) that is managing this hype house of, you know, pretty TikTok dancers who are now spouting uh, Bible verses on their Instagram lives and not talking to any of their families. This is wild. I know. (laughs) This feels ripe for a... um for a, a like a, an HBO series or oh, a, a Netflix documentary. I know. I mean it's like it's sad and it's weird too because obviously um both sides have their story or whatever and like maybe the racial component was a part of her leaving her family which is sad. But mm-hmm. what's interesting is seeing people talk about like the style of dancing that has shifted where her husband was a famous TikTok dancer too he goes by B dash and he would do like more hip hop edgy. Like they were both doing like the trending songs and like, you know, the most up to date music. And now they're all doing like these seventies, eighties tracks. They're doing like very, I don't know, basic kind of pop generic dance. None of this like hardcore, nothing cool about it, but it just like, you know, they've, they've amassed a following. They've been on the Ellen show. They've danced with Twitch. Like they are, they are succeeding. And so it's weird to think of like what's happening in that space. Like what are they being told? Are they really evangelical? Are they being brainwashed? Are they just happy to be famous? Like what's going on there? So yeah, Uh, I'm following it closely. (laughs) Yes. Report back. I'm interested on the details of this. Yeah. It's pretty gnarly. This all happened. She did the Instagram live February 28th. And so since then, People have just been trying to dig into the background of 7M management and kind of the church. And Miranda, the sister in the cult, has been posting more lives that are like, I found Jesus type Bible studies. So it's like very weird how they're trying to prove that they're all okay. And like technically they're adults and they are not physically not okay. So it's like there's nothing really to do about it from a legal standing. But yeah. Yeah. Pretty sad. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. So we get to look forward to a, a I mean, the cult uh, breakdown like Nixium in a few years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then a special that's, you know, starring who? Sydney Sweeney and somebody else as the Dancing Sisters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably like three different versions. Like everyone will come out with, like they did with the Elizabeth yeah. Holmes story where it's There'll just... be a Peacock <laughs> one that's like a limited series. There'll be a movie. There'll be a docu-series on know. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully everyone's safe and able to get out and uh, find fulfillment elsewhere, so... Yes. Yeah. Get out of the cult. Yeah. <laughs> Never a great experience. Um, did you have any other stories or should we get into love it or hate it? No, let's get into love it or hate it. Okay, this has been a long time coming, but other things would come up. But I finally watched um, The Woman in the House Across the Street from The Girl in the Window, which is the... Oh, yes, the Kristen Bell <laughs> the Kristen show. Bell Netflix show. 
that I was like surprisingly a fan of. Like I thought it was funny. I expected it to be more like over the top, a corny sort of like scary movie type parody. Yeah. But they actually played it really straight in a way that I admired it because I was looking at like the the audience reviews on like Google and uh, Rotten Tomatoes and people didn't like and even on Twitter, people were like, I didn't understand this was satire until like midway through the show when I Googled it and found out like it's is all there, but it's like played so straight by everyone involved that you're almost like you buy into this like dumb mystery and these over the top characters like Honestly, one of the funniest parts is obviously this woman has a troubled background and she obviously is like constantly drinking wine and doing, you know, pills and self-medicating and it's not healthy. And it's like, is her reality real or what? Like she's an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. But you find out that her trauma is her daughter. And this is in the first episode, so it's not a major spoiler. But her daughter died at a very young age. (laughs) And the way she died is her husband is like a... A psychiatrist for the extremely violent and uh, mentally ill and he took his daughter to work one day to the prison where he was <laughs> interviewing a cannibal and and the implication is that the daughter the was left alone the daughter? With, the, <laughs> yeah, with the daughter and ate oh. her <laughs> on his day bring your daughter to work day so it's just like dumb stuff like that but it was like it was actually kind of funny to see how they did work in these jokes into a very oversaturated genre while yeah, still while still playing into it being a psychological thriller. Like you never you didn't know the twist, but then it ended up being kind of like this big payoff. And so it was all kind of like fun. It wasn't long. It it was like eight episodes. They were like twenty five minutes each. So it was really like a breeze to get through. And I don't know. I think as someone who kind of hates to enjoy that genre like it's hard for me to like enjoy it but I do kind of get swept in it was funny to see it played out like the way it was and so I enjoyed it (laughs) yeah I do it did strike me as something that I did sort of want to watch um I feel like the reviews or things that I heard about it were middling so I never got to it but yeah it's like a light show like it's nothing like I don't think it's like deserves higher than maybe it got but I thought it was like an a funny diverting show and it mm-hmm. I, I appreciated the commitment rather than going like zany and over the top and like you know having costumes and blood and like whatever like it was very much played like a straight woman in the window girl on the train type thing <laughs> yeah yeah hmm interesting um well I've been mostly watching things that aren't out yet unfortunately <laughs> but there Congratulations. Was, thank you. But I, I, I'm i going to talk about music briefly. Oh, okay. Um, you know, because we're fancy. Yeah. Um, so there's one of my friends ha- has been very obsessed with this. Um, oh, shoot. Now, where is she from? She's a European singer named Leon, L-E-O-N. Have you heard oh, of yeah. her? <laughs> yeah, oh. I love her. Yes. I, I, I like, she's so good. And so my friend started like listening to her music and it was like his number one Spotify artist of the year, blah, 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 like all of this stuff. And I was like, huh, maybe I should give this a go. She's Swedish. So I started listening to her music. It's very good. It's sort of like, I don't know, like, like a mix between like pop and sort of singer songwriter energy. It's very like Um, indie pop. Yeah. Indie pop. And I've been obsessed, but she's been sort of in the album rollout to her new album, which came out on Friday, Circles, 
And so for the past, I don't know, a couple months, like she's had a new song out every couple of weeks and I really enjoyed them all. And so the new album dropped Friday and I, that's all I've been listening to since. And it's so good. I, I don't know. It's just, it's such a mood, but I've really enjoyed it. And it's very good working music. And I feel like it is occupying a similar space in my mind as Casey Musgrave sort of does. Mm. Uh, Like it's not country at all, but it's sort of that like, like more ethereal kind of music Mm -hmm. while still being catchy that you can kind of play in the background, but also enjoy in the foreground. I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan and the album is very good and her previous albums were good. So Um, I'll have to check it out. I don't like follow her, but I like a lot of her songs. So I didn't know there was a new album. So I'll have to listen. Yeah. I get, I get updates whenever there's a new song because my friend always posts about it on Instagram (laughs) and I'm like, Oh, let me go find this. (laughs) Well, perfect. Is, uh, is that a desperate thirst for your uh, crush to notice? Is that because I thought that's what you thought people posted songs for? I thought you oh. found it unuseful. Well, yes. <laughs> Here, okay. Here's the difference between people. So I have I have a lot of theories on what people post on their Instagram stories. <laughs> Okay. I think if someone is posting a new song that has just come out, I don't. I don't think that's necessarily a signifier to a crush. I think oh, that okay. is a signifier that you were a fan of wh- whoever this is, and right, so you right. know about this new song on the day that it's out, and also you you just like want to tell people that you're cool and you know like right. like new music and whatever. Um, so it's like if if Lady Gaga comes out with a new song, I post about the Lady Gaga song. That is me trying to tell everybody like, hey, I'm a big Lady Gaga. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> if you're posting old music on your story, that's when I think you're posting it for a crush. You're like trying to send a secret <laughs> message. Why the hell are you posting? So yeah, it's like why are you posting some? It's like when you used to post um like song lyrics on your Facebook page. Yeah, like yeah. that is the that is the vibe. It's like. Why are you telling us that you're listening to, yes, this like sad song (laughs) by John Denver? Like that is trying to convey something to somebody because it's not conveying that you just like John Denver. Like that's not the, (laughs) like you're trying to speak to something. And I think think that posting a song is also a very like easy sort of innocuous, like not uncool way to see who is viewing your stories also. (laughs) So it's like if I just want to post something and I don't really have anything to post, you can always post a song. Oh, okay. 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 This is useful insight. You heard it here first. Okay. So be careful when you're sharing new music. When you're sharing I mean, don't you feel like that's correct? Um, I have to think of like who posts music most. And I guess I guess I see your point, but I've seen it um, ex- exercised in more of a, like a please ask me how I'm doing type way where it's like, whoa. Oh, well, cut. yes. Like, are you I, okay? <laughs> I think that is also the case sometimes. So maybe not always a crush, but more just a plea for someone in the universe yes. to understand what they're going through. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's good. Good advice. Good dating advice. Strategy. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the singles on the on who are listening to the podcast. Yeah. To tell them <laughs> how to be very frustrated with yourself by posting yeah. <laughs> r- music things and then seeing your crush did not view them uh, what a journey um i hear the batman has similarly good game so we're doing a, a episode on the batman by featuring robert pattinson on thursday um there's a lot of a big part of the batman plot is that he is posting song lyrics to yeah, his instagram yeah, and people are what's going on with batman like <laughs> why is he posting cave. he's like 
<laughs> Old Leona Lewis songs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone goes through it, you know? If not more so when you're a vigilante uh, billionaire. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. looking forward we'll to that. We'll be talking about all three hours of the Batman <laughs> come Thursday. <laughs> I've seen yeah. it. Shelby is not yet, but she apparently is going to. Yeah, it's going to cost me a small fortune. Like, honestly, a babysitter for three hours is no joke. And with driving, too. So, ugh. Yeah, because gas prices are going up. <laughs> also, I don't know if you saw this straight, but AMC is charging more money for the. I mean, <gasps> this doesn't apply to us, but they're charging more money to go see Batman than other movies. <gasps> they're were they're starting they're starting to do that thing that Movie Pass did, oh where they charge gosh. more money for like the popular movies. <gasps> wow, I just signed up for Regal um, because that's the closest theater, and it's not like the best deal, but I figure it's better than it'll save me a little bit of money. Yeah, so. We'll see how that goes. But I was annoyed to see that they charge a convenience fee. I'm like, I'm already paying for this service. Like, just give me my free ticket. Thank Wait, you. they charge you a convenience fee every time you book a yes, ticket? Yes, 57 cents. Can you believe it? Oh, that's shitty. I know. So I think if I go in person and buy it in person, they don't charge it. But it's like, come on, guys. Like, come on. I'm I already giving you a deal. I know. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, that's frustrating. Yeah. Okay. Well... <laughs> Interesting. You'll have to report back on the Regal situation. But we'll be back on Thursday to talk about the Batman. Batman. (laughs) And we'll see you guys then. Bye.